Okay, I'll invite uh, Jeff to come up and speak to us at this time, and I'll let him uh, tell you a little bit more about himself and uh, what's going on at Union Gospel. Okay. Good morning. Uh, my name is Jeff Gafillin. I'm the development manager with Union Gospel Mission. I've served with Union Gospel Mission for uh, 11 years, and uh, the first seven as the operations, and now the last four is the development or PR. Um, so I get to share um, 11 years worth of stories. So I don't know if we have all day. Um, so um, we'll, we'll try and Cole's notes it into about uh, 30, 35 minutes and uh, uh, leave you hanging. Maybe you have to bring me back. Um, so my sermon title is, What is Your Perspective? And from Ephesians 2, ten, uh, 2 1 to 10, it talks about how we are lost and by grace that we're saved, but with truth. And it's kind of a fitting uh, passage for what we do with Union Gospel Mission. We have seven individuals that I'm going to share about, and I want to talk about a grandma, a drug dealer, an indigenous mom a young Christian lady, a homeless man, some North End kids that just run around the neighborhood, and a single lady that's had many boyfriends. Now some of these stories sound similar to some of the parables that Christ has shared in the New Testament. But we started in 1933, so I don't look my age. Um, but a young lady named Sydney Smith donated a thousand bucks to Union Gospel Mission. That's worth about eighteen thousand dollars right now to to start a rescue mission on the north side of Main Street, reaching out to those on our streets to everybody that's willing to listen to the gospel. Started out with a simple soup line. And people just sharing the word of God with anybody on the street that would listen, whether it's Bible tracks, whether it's prayer. My hope today as I share these stories is to encourage you to be able to do this in your own community. Here in Killarney, whether you're visiting up in Brandon, whether you're in Winnipeg for a, a day or a weekend, or another community. These individuals that I'm going to share about have some sordid past, but they've all been found. Much like the fitting child story on the prodigal son. It's amazing how the Lord works some of those details out and, and shares additional nuggets. So as I lead into that, we're going to play a little bit of a, a quick four-minute video that kind of gives you an overall Coles Notes picture of Union Gospel Mission. The first one-third of the video is some of our clients and their testimonies. The middle section is a few staff and sharing their passion. And then the last is just a couple of our volunteers on how the ministry, how they impact others, but how the ministry has impacted them. So we'll just go to the video and then we'll... 
I was in a pit, and I, I looked up and I could see life going on around me, but I was not participating in life. I was introduced to crack cocaine, and um, my life exploded. I fell into the wrong crowd right away, got into hard drugs, LSD, cocaine, criminal lifestyle, gang stuff. And I lost everything. I lost my career. I lost my home. I lost my family. When you do drugs, you open a gateway for demons. The devil had a hold of my heart and my mind. So my mind was twisted. Truth to me was evil. Evil was truth. And it's a scary place. And I made the decision to come to Karis. At that point, I thought I was pretty hopeless. And I didn't know if even God wanted me. And I made a covenant with God. If you can <laughs> change my life, then please, I'm yours. UGM has uh, really helped me out. It's brought me closer to God. I feel like I'm a new creature. It's like I'm looking at someone that used to have an addiction, and then I'm seeing myself now, uh, once I accepted uh, Jesus as my Lord and Savior, everything changed for me. And what the Union Gospel Mission gave me was a foundation that gave me stability. I learned how to open up the scriptures. With Christ on your side, he gives you grace, he gives you peace, he gives you strength and he will give you what you need for that day. I can't wait to see you. I can't wait to thank you eye to eye for the healing in my heart that you've done and um, for the love he's worked through the people here. This isn't the universe our Lord created. There's something drastically wrong and there really is an urgency right now to get the word out. What the word has to say about relationships, anger, just everything in life. We're well aware that uh, we're involved in the, in the trenches of spiritual warfare, but we also know that, that uh, there's victory in Christ. And he said, but I have come that you may have life in abundance to the full till it overflows. We're taking a stand for Jesus. You know, we're taking a stand for the Bible. Nothing is going to change unless Jesus is the head of your life. It's the only answer. There is no other answer. It's, the answer is Jesus. When you're out there and you're struggling and you want that drink, you can call upon the name of the Lord and he will give you a verse. We do not just bring in people to hear the gospel and then we tell them, go have yourself a nice day. But at the same time, we do not have them here to just eat and leave. We start with our street, our outreach community ministry. From there, we want to get them into our addiction programming. Our hope, our goal here is that they will be able to uh, find healing in Christ, find hope in Christ, and just begin a new way of living. The biggest thing that drew me to UGM was their gospel-centeredness. I knew I could work with that and I knew I could stand behind it. Not everyone that comes through is going to be saved. Not everyone is going to necessarily make a decision right away, but at least they've heard it. Ultimately, Christ is, is first. It's the answer to all their problems. It's the only way to God. You see God get a hold of them. You see their face change and their hearts are changed by Him. That's the best part of it, is to see God change and work. And uh, I get more out of it than I give.
Seven ministries under God. And we'll get into that in a second. We have a men's addiction program, our women's addiction, our community outreach in the North End. We have our adult ed. We have a Christian school sponsorship program, a children's club after program. And starting with our street and community ministry where we all started. Behind me will be a slide with some stats of some of the things for the activity. But if I was to share all that and the stories, again, we'd be here all after afternoon. And my goal is just to share stories such as Paul. Paul is one of our homeless guys. Um, he doesn't live um, in, the, in the shelter. He lives actually in a boarding house. And I don't know if anybody saw on the news just this last week, there was a boarding house on Balmoral that had uh, 13 residents in it and a house designed probably for about five rooms. And it burnt down um, just on, I think it was on Thursday. So now there's seven more, well, 13 more people that are going to be looking for home. And these are run by slumlords. Now, Paul was a regular in our chapel service. Not sure if I need, do I need to put this down just a little bit, maybe? Maybe that's a little bit better. I keep touching it, so I'll try not to. Um, Paul was a regular in our chapel services. And one Sunday, uh, Sunday morning, uh, one morning, because we run our chapels every day, he was approached by one of our chaplains, and the chaplain asked him if God is good. And he goes, well, I don't know. And it triggered the chaplain to ask what was going on. So they proceeded to share for about half an hour after the chapel service. Paul didn't worry about missing his lunch. Uh, we, he knew we'd get him a plate afterwards. And Paul had been struggling with his addictions. He'd been struggling with his finances. He had been struggling with a lot of things. And he was very, being discouraged, yet he would come to chapel every day and hear the word of God and get a meal and leave. So we told him as an organization, we'd make sure we pray for him. So we started doing that. We started praying for him in our morning prayer time. We started praying for him in our, our noon prayer time, especially since we now knew what we needed to pray for. A couple weeks later, Paul returned, and he went up to the pastor, the chaplain this time, and said, you know what? God is good. And of course, the chaplain responded back all the time. And he proceeded to find out. Paul had been looking for some work and had found some part-time work. So some of his financial pressure had alleviated. He was still struggling with some of his other stuff. We encouraged him to look for our, to our addiction program. And just this last couple weeks ago, he's actually started doing the application and looking at going through our de the detox program to get in. So our continued prayer is that he'll make that step. But Paul's journey has been several years. Paul is just one of 700 individuals that we go through in a month to come through our program on our street side, whether it's our drop-in program or other. Our men's addiction program, 
Our street ministry feeds into our two addiction programs. And on our men's addiction program, we got Barry. Now, I mentioned before on what is your perspective about a drug dealer. Well, that's Barry. Barry now works for us. But Barry immigrated from Africa about 20 years ago. He, him and his brother went off to the University of Manitoba. They both got their bachelor's in business. They worked together to run two or three 7-Eleven uh, franchises. And they were making some pretty good coin. The challenge is they got into a different assortment of friends. And those friends took them down a trail of gambling, drinking, and then drugs. They finally convinced Barry and his brother to sell drugs out of their stores. But they also made, had them help using it. Well, Barry and his brother went from six-figure incomes down to nothing. They lost their franchises. They spent some time in jail. As Barry got out, Barry was staying in the shelter next door to us. And one of our, the guys that are graduates in our program was talking to some of the people next door. And they saw Barry, and Barry heard about our program. So Barry came over for a chapel service. Barry liked what he heard and came in. About three months into the program, Barry made a choice to follow Jesus for the first time ever. Now, that was a hard thing for Barry. Barry had been abused by a nanny when he was living in Africa. He went down a path where he lost everything, much like the prodigal son. Barry went through our program. He took about nine months. After that, he settled into our internship program, which is part of our transition phase, where he can learn more about the organization, learn what it is to work. Today, three years after, the, year, three years after he came into the program, Barry now works full-time for us. He runs our transportation and our warehouse part, uh, department in the backside. So all the clothes that you guys are going to load us up with, he has to deal with on Monday morning, <laughs> which I'm thankful for he's around. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd be a busy guy. Um, not that I'm already doing stuff. But Barry's life has been transformed because of Christ. Our women's addiction program. Laura had been with us once before. But Laura had come to Christ as a young lady. And as she got into her early 20s, she got into a different mix of friends. They roped her into addictions with drugs. <clears throat> into prostitution. It was hard. Laura was about 30. Not one of the girls in our picture here, but she had also lost one of her children to 
DFS. Laura came into our program after she heard about us into the 30-day, thinking, oh, I can get everything turned around in 30 days. 30-day program helps them adjust. Because moms, they want their kids. They want them back. But it's a little harder than that. Once in the program, though, she realized there was a place that she could learn to recover. She can come back to Christ. And she made that recommitment. Laura decided to make that commitment back to the Lord. Then she spent another six months working on healing and accountability. And she got visitation back. Started with daytime, started with weekends. About nine months into the program, she got custody. She was being able to be reunited with her daughter. And with that reunification, she was able to build back up to what she had in the Lord. We worked with her on transition. She stayed with us for another nine months before we were able to get her off into Manitoba housing. Now we didn't put her to, we, and it took, the reason it took a while is we didn't want her going back into the North End where her old friends were, where the old influences were. We wanted to get her into one of the ones in the suburbs where there was less influences. Laura still keeps in, chat, in contact with our caseworkers, our recovery chaplains at the, at the care center. And she's doing well. But forever, Laura, there's 10 more that we need to pre- continue to pray for that they will come into the program. Or for the ones that leave the program, much like the men. Our family ministry outreach program not sure if Gilbert shared with you guys a couple years ago, but I know there's probably some farmers in the group. And everybody kind of here probably knows what an, how big a space an acre is. Family Life Center is located right smack down in the middle of what's called Murder Acre. 75% of the murders in Winnipeg happen within that area of Winnipeg. It's either drug deals, family violence, or others. It's a dark area. The Point Douglas area, which is just to the le- just to the east of us, has the highest child poverty rate of any major city in Canada. The Point Douglas and North End area is the third poorest ca- per capita region in Canada, but only behind Montreal and Vancouver. It's a very dark, dark area. But the Family Life Center is a lighthouse. It's a light breaking into that darkness. We only know that light can, you know, extract darkness, right? Christ does that. And Kathleen had been coming to Ladies' Day on Wednesday. 
And if anybody wants to know what Ladies' Day on Wednesday looks like, it looks like a Sunday morning with a potluck and a garage sale. So Sunday morning is Bible study, then church service, then a potluck. Or, well, we feed the meal where they don't bring the food, but we just feed them. Then they can go downstairs and get clothing and a food hamper. We're breaking the cycle. Kathleen had been coming to us about three, four years. She'd had multiple boyfriends. Kind of like the woman at the well. Kathleen had finally settled in on one boyfriend, but was still not married. Gilbert's sermon that morning happened to be on the true meaning of marriage. Kind of a tough uh, message for a group in the North End that's kind of used to living kind of the way they want. Kathleen was convicted of her sin. Went home, talked to her, her boyfriend. Thursday morning, they popped in to the office to talk to Gilbert and said, we need to get, we need to get married. I, guess, I know what I'm doing now. I'm going to stop touching my antenna. Um, they talked to, talked to Gilbert about getting married. That weekend, on Saturday, they arranged a marriage. Kathleen still comes to our program a year later, and they're still married. It's changing one family at a time. Kathleen doesn't have kids, but my guess is if they're, they're going to have some at some point, and they'll be looking at coming into our kids' program and our adopt a student program. Our children's and youth program. I mentioned the kids running around in the neighborhood. It was a uh, summer, mor summer day. Kids don't have socks. They're running in shorts and t-shirts. Ron, who is our worker over at the family, the family Life Center with the kids program, runs after school clubs five days a week from four to six o'clock. These kids showed up about 15 minutes early, and Ron sometimes will always let them in a little early and play, but he wasn't quite ready for his message that message and set up that day for whatever reason. So we told him I wasn't quite ready. They just can come back in like 10, 15 minutes. Now think now the Sunday school workers in here, think of this way if you did this with your kids. He sent three kids away. They came back with, in 10 minutes with 15 kids. He, he went from having three to five kids that that evening to having 15 to 20 kids he was teaching. There was three little disciples going out and saying, hey, you got to come and hear Ron. With this program, I'm an ex-camp director at Gimli Bible Camp, which is a sister camp to Turtle Mountain, which I know, I know Howard. And I always have to throw one of these stories in. In 2017, we have one, uh, I'll back up, we have one donor who pays for us to send as many kids to camp as we can, low-income kids. In 2017, we sent 1,364 boys and girls to one of 12 Bible camps. Now, three of the sister camps, the Turtle Mountain, which is Gimli Valley View and Rosso River, received some of these kids. Gimli and Valley View received the most. I know that because it 
Gimli Bible Camp, when I was there, we received 350. And Valley View received 50, that. So Valley View and Gimli receive half of those kids. It's a tough environment. But these kids come, get to hear the, about Christ. And then they come back to us in the North End where we try to disciple them. A Christian education program. We pull approximately 80 kids out of school division number one. School division number one is the most secular school division in Manitoba. It's got LGBTQT activists, three of them on their trustee board, pushing an agenda in the schools. Most of these kids come to us not at the grade level that they're supposed to be at. If we get them young enough in K to grades three, we put them in our own building, which is right beside our Family Life Center where Gilbert can go over every day. And it's mixed classes of only 15 kids per class with one teacher, one TA. So very small, intense working. And we're able to get the kids that are not in their grades, especially at the younger years. If they came in at grade two and they're supposed to be in grade three, they're in the middle of the pack of grade four when they go over to the main campus. Because we're able to work with them one-on-one. -on -one in a time-sensitive manner. One of these young kids that was over at the bigger main campus for Faith Academy kept pestering our parents and saying, we have to pray for our meals because that's what they make us do at school because they have a lunch program. They make them pray all together. Dad didn't know how to pray. So dad phones up Gilbert and says, what's this prayer thing and how do I do it? <laughs> Gilbert's like, when can we meet? <laughs> Gilbert's not one to miss an opportunity. Dad met with him, shared simply how they can pray simply for their meal and thank Jesus for the day. A month later, calls Gilbert up and says, something's different in my family, I need to talk. So he comes over and meets Gilbert at the Family Life Center. Gilbert was able to lead that, lead that dad to Christ. Because through a child wanting to pray simply for a meal, inviting the Holy Spirit into that house was changing that family. One quick note on this. The valedictorian at Faith Academy this last year was one of our sponsored kids. She had the highest grades. She was able to get all sorts of scholarships to pay for five years of university. Without our adopted student program, she would not have had the chance to go to Faith Academy. And she would not have had the chance to go to university. She would have been stuck in that school in school division number one in the system, influenced by others.
final one of our seven ministries, Faith Learning Center, our adult ed. And this is one of, this is one of my favorite stories. And this shows you how some of our programs tie together. It's about, about a grandma, 67 years old. Her daughter and her two grandchildren were living with her in the North End. Grandma had been coming to our Family Life Center for probably about a decade. Her grandchildren came up one day at supper time and said, we're dropping out of school. And Grandma said, why? Well, Mom never graduated and neither did you, Grandma. Well, Grandma felt convicted by that. Grandma only needed two courses. So Grandma said, well, I can't go to the Family Life Center for a year. I have to go to the Faith Learning Center and get my grade 12. Grandma was getting her OAS. Grandma was getting her pension. Grandma was fine. Grandma didn't need her grade 12. I'm not even sure if I would put myself through that much. Because that's hard work studying. But Grandma went there. Now, because we have such a small graduating class each year, when we do our grad in our chapel at our 320 Princess location, each person, we don't have a valedictorian, each person gets to come up and say a little two-minute speech. Now, Grandma's speech was very direct and very short. She just looked at her daughter, pointed at her and said, you're next. And she pointed at her grandchildren and said, you're staying in school, because Grandma did it. It's changing one family, one individual at a time, in that dark area that we have to do. When we focus on the one, one person, whether it's somebody on the street that we meet, and I've done this as I've walked from our Princess location to our Pritchard location across Main Street, down across the bars, asking somebody if I could pray for them. It's a simple thing to do. There's people that all, they'll almost never say no. Because prayer can't hurt, right? Well, guess what? That little simple thing, whether it's in our own community, whether it's a Sunday morning, if you notice that somebody walks in and is a little down, can I pray for you today? Could it be the gas attendant at the co-op where I filled up this morning before, because I got in a little early? Could it be a waitress? Prayer is an easy thing. It opens up a door to people's hurts, to people's things that they need help with. And it's the first place that we start when asking, how can you help? We need prayer warriors. And the more prayer warriors that we have, the more God we know will empty ravine. Union Gospel Mission through prayer, donations, and volunteers in 2016 had 550 individuals make either a first time or a redecision for the Lord. In 2016, it was over 600. The numbers don't matter when I mention how you can help of how many people, because if we reached one person, it'd be worth it. And I know as an ex-camp director, if we had one kid that made a decision for the Lord, it would work. And that's all it's worth. Dropping the seeds. 
If you haven't picked it up, um, our spring copy of the Voices from the Street uh, came out uh, at the end of in March, and I know there's some copies at the back. At the back, I saw them as I came in. Pick them up. Read the stories. Those are stories from just inside Feb just in February of lives being changed. We have reached individuals through your generosity. I know you guys support us as an organization. Through the clothing that you guys and food, some of the food that you guys and dry goods that may have been donated that are going to be loaded into the trailer. Those are the means in which individuals come into our programs. They're seeking food. They're seeking clothing. But those are only the items that entice them and draw them in to hear the gospel. Which is preached every day in every single one of our buildings. Whether it's to the residents in our program, whether it's to individuals on the street, or those that just come into our door for help. I hope that I've encouraged some to be able to step out in your own community. Some to look next time you're in Winnipeg to come out and visit. I'd love to take you on a tour. Share what's going on. We're four buildings of bricks and mortar, but that's not what we're about. We function within the bricks and mortar. Thank you.